Good to see everybody after the weekend. We had uh, quite a weekend with our prophetic ministry time. The Lord uh, spoke in some just profound and powerful, and uh, I just couldn't believe some of the accuracy of things that were shared. I couldn't believe uh, just how many the Lord uh, spoke to that really gave them promises of making an impact and having a special future and uh, just there. And, and even when you, you saw times of uh, gentle uh, correction, it was, it was just so uh, in, in line with the total picture of God's destiny for the person's life. And just, it was just uh, really an amazing time, really a good experience. And uh, I know that um, your presence when you came and supported different ones uh, meant a lot to them and was a great encouragement to them. Well, I want to, uh, con- we're going to continue the series. It's been a month now. We've had just about a break on this, but we're, we're going to continue the series we've been working on in James. And uh, you should have a little handout to help you. Everybody got your handout? If you don't have one, lift your hand up and we'll get that to you, okay? Around a couple places here. Just so you can follow along with uh, what's being shared, just working on on James there. And, um, and you know, James is He's so interesting, so he's so real. It's just like amazing, you know. And a lot of times we make things more complicated than we really are. And you know, uh, he, he he talks about this whole idea of how do you know whether or not you have a living faith? How do you know whether what you're experiencing or what you have is real or not? How, you know, and and that sounds so complicated. You know, if, you, if somebody were to ask you that, how how would you know? But he just goes through and he just gives several keys. Uh, basically three big keys that he gives. And he says, look, if these things are happening in your life, then you know your faith is living. If these things are not happening, your faith is not living. And uh, it's, like, uh, it's like, whoa, you know, it's kind of so arresting in the way he does that. But um, uh, in your notes it says, James sees a direct relationship between a person's ability to control their mouth and their spiritual maturity. Now, he's been hinting about this all through the first couple of chapters. We're at James chapter 3 now, remember. And uh, he's been hinting about this through the first couple of chapters. Maybe you remember some of these verses, James 1.19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then in James 1.26, he says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, he kind of says it straight out here, and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. So he's saying, he's saying, look, this is one of the key issues. This is the the test you can give, litmus test you can give to determine whether or not what is happening is real or not real, whether the person you're interacting with is real or not real, whether what you're experiencing is authentic or not authentic. He says this is one of the key ideas. He says, what, are you able to bridle your tongue? And then in James 2.12, he says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. So we're in James chapter 3. Let's start right out there. James chapter 3, starting with verse 1. He says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Wow. For we all stumble in many ways. If you underline in your Bible, what a great place to underline right there. For we all stumble, everybody say that with me. For we all stumble in many ways, okay? 
If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man or a mature man. That idea of perfect there isn't the idea that we would think of as, as perfection without flaw, no, never make a mistake. But he's saying, he says, if, if, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, if he's got so, he is a mature man, a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Wow, pretty powerful. Don't be a teacher because the teacher is responsible to live according to what he says. Matter of fact, if I was to uh, think of Judgment Day and what will Judgment Day look like, what, what's the most painful version of Judgment Day that, that I see in my mind, it's me standing before the Lord as he takes things that I've said and then compares them to the way I've lived my life. I can't imagine anything more painful than that thing. Taking your own words and saying, you told them this, but here's the reality of what you did, right? And uh, he, he says, he says well, you, you know, you, 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 you become a teacher. He says, don't seek after it, he said, because, because that's the kind of judgment that's coming. And then uh, Matthew 12, he says, but I tell you, every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. But let your, but let your words, but, excuse me, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Like that is so arresting uh, to me. Uh, James says that if you don't stumble in what you say, you are a mature person with self-control in many areas of your life. So, how have your mouth gotten you into trouble? Anybody, uh, probably, uh, I could probably open up for some testimonies right now, couldn't we? Maybe you would say something like this, uh, you said something critical about someone and then realized that they could hear you. Did you ever have that experience? You made some kind of nasty comment, and then you're looking at your friend's eyes, and all of you go, they're standing right behind me, aren't they? You know, and, and, you, and you, you, know, you realize, oh, you know, what did I do? You know? or, or maybe you made a promise foolishly that you couldn't keep, and you deeply disappointed someone. Anybody know what it's like to have, use their mouth in that way? Or, or maybe you spoke something in anger to someone you loved that wounded them, and there, now there's no way to take it back. You said something out loud that there's just, it's, it'll always be there in the middle of your relationship, that thing, that comment that was made. Or maybe trying to impress someone, you told them something a friend shared with you in confidence. You were trying to build some sense of rapport with that person. You said, well, you know, so-and-so said to me, and you shared something that was spoken to you in confidence because of that desire to be impressive in that way. Maybe you were joking around with sarcasm and hurt someone with harsh words. You know, you were just kind of playing, kind of bantering, kind of back and forth, but all at once you found that the words that you were saying, they went into somebody's heart in a way that was piercing and hurtful. Maybe rather than facing your boss's displeasure, you told a lie to protect yourself. Again, your mouth. 
So James chapter 3 begins by giving us three reasons why we must be careful about what we say, okay? So let's look what it says here. The first reason he gives us in James chapter 3, starting with verse 3, he says, My words direct where I go. My words, they direct, they actually give direction to my life. This is what he says. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. You want to know where you're headed in life? Listen to your words. You want to know where you're going to be in 10 years? Look at your conversations. Because he tells us people's words actually shape their lives. Um, I, I heard one person say it this way. He said, we shape our words and then our words shape us. You have the ability to shape your words. You say them, you speak them. But then, once they're spoken, the words shape you. A bit in a horse's mouth enables a 95-pound jockey to turn a 2,000-pound horse by the bit. And he's saying that's the same way it is with your words. Your words turn you. It's amazing. A word can change the entire direction of a person's life. There's a story told uh, about Thomas Edison. And um, one time uh, he met a young man who was just coming up by the name of Henry Ford. And uh, Henry Ford was not what we think of when we think of Ford. Now, Ford didn't mean any of these things. You know, many of us don't realize this. It all starts out, you, you, you know, with people that don't do anything. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not famous. They're not, they're not amazing. They're, not, they're just people. But Henry Ford had this burning idea, this idea of a combustion engine. And that it could be, instead of having horses pulled carts, you could actually have this thing pull people, and it could be made economically, uh, a car could be made so economically that it could actually begin to take the place of the horse and the cart and this kind of thing. And he was filled with this dream, this passion, this vision, and he, and he came across Thomas Edison. They met at a, at a gathering, and Thomas Edison was this fantastic at that time now, already famous, already brilliant, already recognized around the world, the inventor of the light bulb and so many different things related to electricity, including uh, the phonograph and, and different kinds of things like this. He, he, he does this. So, so anyway, they meet up together, and Thomas Edison hears Henry Ford's idea, and he looks at him and he says, don't give up on your idea. He says, it's that is a fantastic idea. What you're trying to do is exactly what needs to happen. And he just really encouraged uh, Ford. And Ford left that meeting so inspired that he went on and kept pursuing his dream. And then eventually the Ford Motor Company was started. And, the first, and off of the first assembly line that Ford put together, the very first car that came off, he gave that car to Thomas Edison. But not just that car. The first of every model of Ford that was ever made, the Model T, the Model A, the first Lincoln, the first of every Ford car, first model, was given to Thomas Edison as a thank you. And uh, it's, it's just amazing. Our words can shape destinies, can shape lives, can move things. 
A ship's rudder is very small compared to the ship, yet it guides the whole ship. Our words are like a rudder. They can keep us on course or they can drive us off course. Uh, you know, I think of my children, you know, uh, with each of my children, uh, when they were born, starting with uh, Toby, before actually before they were born, my wife and I began seeking the Lord about what is the word for this child? What's the thing that we want to plant into this child's life? What's the thing we want to say to them and speak to them? And uh, for, uh, for my son Toby, the word was an interesting word. It was prophesied over him at his baby dedication and different things. And it, the word was... Um, was uh, to be a prophet to the nations. A prophet to the nations. Now this is not, this is Toby, I can't keep him in the seat, you know, uh, Toby, right? This is not, you know, now you look, oh, he founder of Campus Target, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. No, this is, the word is to this little wild kid that I used to have to have a leash on him. We used to, used to have a harness and a, and, a, and now they kind of, they, can't, they kind of make them look like backpacks, you know, for, and they have a little leash. Thing. But in those days, there was no backpack. He just looked like it was like a dog harness, basically, kind of wrapped around him. And I had to, I had to, I had to keep him on this harness because we couldn't control him. He was like, he was like absolutely wild. Uh, you know, people would say, oh, what a beautiful little boy. Why do you have him tied to the tree? And, I, you know, I mean, I have to say... <laughs> You know, I'm sorry. I have to. I, I, I have to hold him back because he's just he's just going right. So here, this this rambunctious, totally wild, completely lacking in self control, little little guy, right? And the Lord is telling me, when you put him to bed at night, lay your hands on him and pray that he'll fulfill his destiny as a prophet to the nations. See? You speak words, and then they control you. You have the power to speak them, but after that, they shape. Words direct where lives go. They're very, very powerful. Prison evangelist Bill Glass once said that 90% of the men in prison had been told repeatedly by their parents that they would be in prison someday. I must be careful with my words because my words give direction. They give direction to me and they give direction to other people. They shape other people and they shape me. Okay, the second thing he says to us in this James chapter 3 passage is, my words can destroy what I have. This is what it says. Look at, look at uh, starting with verse, the end of verse 5. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life that is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. He compares the tongue to a forest fire. There are approximately 125,000 forest fires annually 
and 92% of them are the result of man-made causes. One cigarette, one little cigarette, can destroy hundreds of thousands of acres of forest when it's discarded in the wrong way. And one word, one word can destroy a life. Have you ever met a verbal arsonist? Have you ever met a verbal arsonist? Critical, demeaning, sarcastic, quick to judge? I remember years ago, here at the school, there was a married uh, couple, and they had their family with them, and uh, one of the the young man, the man of the house was being trained, and we were working with him, and they had, the couple had a teenage daughter. And uh, I heard from someone that he was saying to his daughter, if you keep dressing like that, you're going to end up pregnant before you're 16. And he was trying to, he's trying to pull her in, you know, kind of rein her in a little bit because she was, she was like right up against the, the boundaries and, you know, really stretching things and going after some. And when I heard, though, that this was happening, I, I, I sat, sat him down and I, I talked with him and I just sat down. I said, look, you have to stop. You cannot keep saying this to her in this way. You have to stop. But I don't think he listened or maybe it was just too late by the time I talked with him because it didn't take a gift of prophecy to realize that if your father spoke over you again and again and again. You're going to be pregnant before you're the age of 16. That that's exactly what happened. Our words are so powerful, and without even realizing it, we can be an arsonist. Gossip is like wildfire. It can destroy careers. It can destroy marriages. It can destroy churches. It can destroy reputations. It can destroy friendships. In your note, I put down a, your notes. I put down a couple of quotes. Look, look at this quote: "Gossip is saying behind a person's back what you would never say to their face. Gossip is saying behind a person's back what you would never say to their face. And then flattery, flattery is saying to their face what you would never say behind their back. Right? Very powerful." A woman came to her pastor one time and she said, she said, Pastor, I said, I've realized that I've gossiped around someone and I about someone and I feel bad about it and I'd like to, I'd like to straighten the, the situation out. Um, what should I do? And the pastor said to her, Okay, this he said, This is gonna seem strange. He says, But this is the first thing I want you to do. I want you to go in your backyard, I want you to rip open a feather pillow in your backyard and just shake it out until all the feathers are out. And she said, uh, she said, okay. So she went and she did that, and she came back to him the next day. She said, I did what you said. He said, okay, today I want you to go back and gather all the feathers. And she said, I can't do that. And he said, and you can't undo what you did with those words of gossip. You can be sorry, but you cannot undo the damage that you did when you spoke those things. This is why it's such a powerful issue and such a powerful thing. I remember one time when, uh, when I experienced this, when a person called me up, a guy, uh, I had, uh, I, um, uh, you know, for years I'd 
done extensive traveling, ministry travel and this kind of thing. And all at once, some opportunities started disappearing. And uh, I, I thought, well, I wonder what's going on. You know, these things, I thought, well, maybe God's just changing things or whatever. And then a guy called me up and he said, I understand that you're leaving your wife with for another woman. And I said, what? And somehow a rumor had gotten started. Nobody ever spoke to me directly about it. But people were making decisions. They were deciding not to have me come. They were doing all kinds of things, all because of a rumor that had gotten started that I was in the process of leaving my wife, which was the farthest thing from the truth. It's so damaging. It's like arson. It's so destructive. He says, see how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Uh, here's what it says in some other places in the book of Proverbs. It says, a worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And then Proverbs 12, 18, a very powerful verse. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Solomon is very much like James. They have a very clear picture of what's going on. He says, look, he says, you can be around some people when they open their mouth, it's like you've been stabbed and they're stabbing everybody around them. They're wounding left and right. And he said, but others, they'll speak a word and the word will go like healing. Speaking words of healing. James, he takes us in this passage and he keeps going, remember, and he, he, he shows us the zoo and he compares the tongue to an untamed animal, okay? James 3, 7, 3, it says, For every species of beast and birds, we're looking at verse 7, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of interacting with a uh, wild animal. You know, a lot of times we just think of wild animals as, you know, not really that big a deal. But you've heard people joke and laugh around with me about me being attacked by a beaver. I, I tell people I'm embarrassed. You know, I said the only thing that could have been worse is if I had been mauled by a bunny rabbit. You know what I mean? That would be the, and uh, because everybody thinks of a beaver as a, benign kind of a creature. But I'm telling you what, that this beaver was, was, uh, had rabies. And one of the things that rabies does, it attacks the part of the brain that is prone toward, it goes after the part of the brain and basically eliminates, it, it, it just totally fires up the brain with rage and violence. That's what it's, it's just what it does. And so the creature basically, against all odds, against all, you know, this 60-pound this beaver attacked me and mauled me and even though people were beating it off of me with a uh with with oars the beaver would not back off it was an it was absolutely wild and enraged 
And James, James says, says, this is what, he says, for every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures, he, he says, they, they can be tamed. He says, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. That, that beast became a, it, it was a living example of what a restless evil is like. But you have to ask the question then when you read the passage. Because he says, no one can tame the tongue. So, James, if no one can tame the tongue, then how can you say this shows anything about me? If you say to me, everybody is incapable of taming their tongue, how can you say this? But what he's really saying is this. He's not saying that no person can tame the tongue. What he's really saying is this, that no person who doesn't have living faith if you're, living, if you're walking without living faith, you cannot tame the tongue. It's humanly impossible to tame the tongue unless something supernatural is happening in your life. And he says this is why it's a perfect indicator for you of whether or not the reality of the gospel is really going on inside of your life. Are, do you have a capacity to tame the tongue? If you don't have a capacity to do that, then you don't have anything living happening inside of you. This is what James is saying to us. And then the third thing we see James talks about in James chapter 3, starting with verse 9. He says this, and this is in your, your notes, my words reveal who I really am. Remember, he's talking all about the tongue and our words, and now he's saying, my words reveal who I really am. <clears throat> verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain have a bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. James says, he says, look, the problem is not the words, actually. He says the problem is is the source of the words. Whatever is the source of the well comes out in the water. If it's, if it's salt water, it comes out salty. If it's bitter water, it comes out. Whatever the source of the well, of the well comes out in the water. And whatever is the nature of the tree, he says, is what comes out in its fruit. He says, you, you, he says if, you're, if you're dealing with an apple tree, then that tree will produce apples. It's just, it cannot produce against its nature. He says, he says, uh, uh, the, he says it's all about the source. He says, but what the mouth does is it reveals the source. Proverbs 4.23 in your notes. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for flum, from it flow springs of life. And then Luke 6, he says, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. See? So what, what he's saying to us is, is this. He's saying, look, he's saying the reason the mouth is such a tremendous measuring tool, can, can help you so much, is that the mouth reveals. What comes out of your mouth reveals what is the, what is in the source of who you are. He says, you know, well, this is really complicated. 
you know, I don't really know. No, he says it's not complicated at all. Just open your mouth. Just start talking for a little while. You start talking for a little while, and I can tell you whether what you have is living faith or whether you've got some religiosity that you've picked up on and you're trying to conform and trying to be little Miss Wright or little Mr. Wright. Or do it. He says, I can tell you immediately if you have the real thing or you have churchianity. He said, I can tell you immediately. Just talk. Because out of the mouth comes the source. If I have a negative heart, it will speak fear, my mouth will speak fearful words. If I have a hard heart, I'll have harsh words. If I have an insecure heart, I'll have boasting words. If I have a bitter heart, I'll have uh, 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 critical words. If I have a guilty heart, I'll have judgmental words. If I have an impure heart, I'll have filthy words. You just listen to me. I'll, I, if I have an anxious heart, I'll have unsettled words. If I have a joyful heart, I'll have encouraging words. If I have a loving heart, I'll have gentle words. If I have a grateful heart, I'll have thankful words. He says it's just, it shows you where things are really at. The reality. Our problem is not a word problem, it's a heart problem. And your words are simply giving you a window to your heart. Now, some people feel like things have been spoken over them, curses that you're bound by. You know, somebody spoke this thing over you or went after you in some kind of way. But, you know, the fact is that you cannot be bound by somebody's curse words. Uh, Proverbs uh, 26.2 says, like a sparrow... Uh, in its flitting, like a, a swallow in its flying, so a curse without a cause does not alight. And you may have had people in your life, people in your family who have spoken words over you that are curse words. You may, and you may think to yourself, boy, you know, no wonder I'm turning out the way I am for the things that were said over the top of me. But the reality is, those things, nothing, I'm not concerned about anything that you say to me. And the reason is I know nothing can stick to me unless there's a sticky thing in me. Unless there's some source in me that makes me sticky for that curse or those things that are, that, that are there. Are, are there. Um, you know, maybe there's been words in your mind. I don't belong. I'll always be on the outside. I don't belong. I'll always be on the outside. And instead, there needs to be the truth that you grab a hold of. I have been accepted into God's family through Jesus Christ. Some people live their whole life, you know, in their heart of hearts. There's that feeling of, I don't belong. I have to plan every day of my life. I can't relax. I can't relax. Just that feeling of anxiety all the time. I can't relax. I got to be on guard. I got to be, I got to be, you know. But the truth is, God is in control of the universe, and I can trust him to keep it together. How about the lie, I will never be able to give and receive love or have intimate, satisfying relationships. And the truth is, God is love, and he can teach me all about it. And he says he will finish what he has started in me. Now, here is the truth. Dead faith can't tame a tongue, but living faith can. Psalm 
51 says this. Create in me a clean heart, O God. So you don't have to sit around going, I got to keep my mouth straight. I got to be careful what I say. I got to, you know, it's all about the heart. You got to go after the heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Or how about this prayer? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth. Now, I think James, James says it's pretty simple, you know. It's, you know, you may be here today and you may, you know, usually, you know, you hear a message like this and it would not surprise me if literally within the last few days you have put your foot in your mouth like big, big time, right? And, uh, and then now I'm speaking about this and you're going, you're trying every way you can not to think it's somebody else or it's, you know, some, some, but the Holy Spirit has been very faithful to you to say you're, you're, uh, uh, there's something wrong there in the source. There's something that the Lord is dealing with inside of you. And he just tells us very simply, you know, don't, don't be pretending, don't be thinking, oh, I just need to buckle down a little more. If I just concentrated on what I said a little more, it would be different. If I, if I was just a little more diligent, if I just worked a little harder at this. He, 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 you see, James just looks at that. He says, he says, no man can tame the tongue. He says, your problem is not a, a ability to tame your tongue. Your problem is your heart. And the Lord is speaking to you today, and he's trying to say to you, humble yourself. Turn to me. Say, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in yours. I can tell by what's coming out of my mouth that my heart is unclean, that my heart needs some kind of a touch. I can just tell. By, by, I can tell by, by, by when I just think over the words with my roommate, when I think over that phone call home, when I think over the comment I made to such and such a person, I can just go, whoa. Something needs to happen in me, see? And James is saying to us, he says, that's the reality. That's the, this is what, the, the, you want the real deal? You need to cry out like, like for silver or gold. You need to be like, God, do something in me. Change me. Make me the person that you want me to be. Don't allow me to go on like this, Lord. I can't tame this. If I could, I would, but I can't. I need you to change my heart. I need you to work inside of me. I admit my need. Why don't you just bow your head right now before the Lord? James, he's been so, it's so uncomfortable, isn't it? All the religion gets blown away, and it's, it just comes down to the reality of what has been pumping out of your mouth. Has it been fresh water or has it been like you've, you've had some kind of connection directly to some sewer someplace?
You tried to convince yourself because sometimes you say good things and sometimes you say bad things. And so, you know, I'm kind of back and forth. James says, hey, that's just not reality. Bitter and sweet water don't come from the same fountain. He said, you've got to recognize, you've got a heart problem. You've got to ask God for help. You've got to confess your need. Just like David did. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. I can see so clearly. you just want to make a fresh invitation to the Lord right now to renew you this is not a shame this is like well I should be past this I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, be struggling with these kinds of things this is not a shame this is the Christian life it's that constant renewal that constant realization that no man can tame the tongue takes the Holy Spirit. One of the sure ways I can tell right away when things are not right in my life because of the stuff that starts coming out of my mouth. Maybe you've had stuff coming out of your mouth. He's not, he is, it isn't to shame you. It isn't to say, oh, see, that just shows how undisciplined you are. That just shows. He's not trying. It's like just a simple reality. When that stuff starts coming out of me, I know something unclean is going on inside of me my heart that my heart is not right today and I don't need a I don't need a thermometer to tell me I don't have to take a test to tell me I can see clearly by the words that are coming out of my mouth are they healing words or wounding words now if you are just sensing the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now I want you just to lift both your hands in the air. By doing that, you're just confessing. You're just humbly confessing, just acknowledging, I got a problem. I need a freshening up in my heart today, and I want to come to the Lord with all my brothers and sisters and cry out for that. If that's in your heart, just lift both your hands up in the air right now. Would you do that? Just lift both your hands right now. Lord, right now, all around the room, our hands are lifted in unity right now and we just are acknowledging we nobody has to explain it to us nobody has to uh it's not complicated we just see it very clearly our mouth is showing us that our heart has a problem and so we are coming to you right now and we're saying to you purify us lord cleanse us search us oh god see if there be any wicked way in us lord deal with us Work in our hearts. Our hands are lifted. We say we want a heart cleaning. We know we can never tame the tongue out of our own ability. It's only you changing the heart that can tame the tongue. And so we just come to you right now. We just acknowledge our need. And we beg of you. We ask of you. Lord, change us. Work inside of us. Use the forces around us. Speak to us, Lord. Create in us clean hearts. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Search us, O oh God. We thank you for it, Lord. 
Lord, if we thought we could make a promise and make things better, we would. But we realize, Lord, it's not something we can do. It only can come as we, as we look to you and as we just humbly acknowledge we have a problem. We have a need. And you said you would finish what you've begun in us, that you would deal with this stuff. And so we come to you right now and say, cleanse us. Cleanse us, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name. Let's applaud the Lord. Just say thank you to him right now. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great lunch.